Hello and welcome to University Challenged. Got an amazing episode for you this time. What is the impact on your educational and career choices when you are born profoundly deaf? In this episode, James Sims explains how his experiences of growing up with cochlear implants and being the first deaf individual to attend his secondary school led to him having to stand up and stand out to access opportunities that people who are born with hearing take for granted. Alongside sharing how it felt to study A-levels and go through the interview process during the height of COVID-19 pandemic, James highlights how applying for an apprenticeship enabled him to go straight from school into one of the world's largest technology companies. Today, James is in his second year of a cross-functional apprenticeship at Cisco, and he's already contributing to developing improvements in web conferencing software and helping to make meetings more inclusive for those who are deaf or hearing impaired. His story so far is one of personal courage and how forging your own path can create greater understanding and opportunity for others. It would change the way you think about meetings too. I really hope you enjoy it. Okay, James, uh, thank you very much for agreeing to come on the podcast. You are officially the youngest person to come on. Uh, And I'm really excited about that because finally I have someone that has just gone through the uh, education experience and is new into work. Um, But before we get into that, can you please, for the listeners, tell us what your name is and what you do today? So my name is James Sims and I'm a second year cross-functional apprentice at Cisco. Great. So um, second year cross-functional apprentice, Cisco, got some tech things happening, so I will have to uh, probably ask some questions so you can explain to me. Um, So, tell me what a cross-functional apprentice is. So, basically, what it does is, there's two sides of it. There's the university degree aspect of it, but there's also me doing, like, job roles within Cisco. And how it basically works is that it's a three-year program and they do these things called rotations. So in the first year, it's three blocks or three months long. Second year is two blocks, which is what I'm going into at the moment, two blocks of six months long. And in my final year, it'll be a 12-month period. And that one would typically be the area that, I might want to go in long term if I carry on being in Cisco. Yeah. And these rotations, they could be anything. It could be sales, IT, anything that Cisco has to offer. Yeah. And so basically it allows not just me but other apprentices in my cohort to basically dip their toes into the different areas to be able to work out where they want to go in. Yeah. So let's say if someone wants to go into sales, and they do a sales rotation and they might say, actually, this is not for me or actually, I do enjoy this. Yeah. It's where they can learn experience and learn from more senior people in that area to get a better understanding of that role and basically just to find where they want to go in the long term. Awesome. Um, and now I know who Cisco are, but for people that don't know who Cisco are and what they do, can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, so Cisco is a networking company, but they do lots of other products. So they, one of their products that most people might be familiar with is the WebEx, which is a virtual conference 
software. So it's a bit like you know, Zoom, Microsoft Teams, and they also do products such as like the WebEx boards. It's yeah. these like sort of telepresence devices that is like in your typical school, it's like those whiteboards. Yeah. But you can draw on it, but you can also do video conferences, you can do lots of other stuff on it, and that's some of the products that Cisco has to offer. Fantastic. Um, and so you work for one of, like, the longest established, uh, largest uh, tech companies, certainly one of the largest networking companies. I was involved in selling Cisco hardware about 20 years ago. It took me over a decade to work for one of the big, big, big vendors, and yet here you are. So how did you end up uh, going from secondary school and sixth form, is that right, to working at Cisco? How did that happen so, so quickly for you? <laughs> yeah, so um, basically in sixth form, we had the, an apprenticeship advisor, Ms. Peggy App, who's been amazing help with it. And basically, she was helping me with being able to apply to lots of other apprentices. And she was actually the one that recommended Cisco to me. And the process was very long. Um, and so what I had to do was, had to do the typical CV, submit that in. And they invited me to a virtual open evening where they talked about the company, what to expect from the program. Yeah. And then they invited me to do this sort of game, so to speak, it was on, a, on our phones, and it's one of those kind of things that where they can gauge your personality and your work ethic as well, those yeah. tasks such as like maths in there, memory, problem solving, and patience as well. Yeah. So basically they wanted to get an idea of who took part and whether they were a good fit for Cisco, and then... After that, I was then invited to do an interview. Mm -hmm. And the interview was sort of split into three parts. The first part was where I had to do a presentation on a piece of technology. Yeah. Well, this was a bit easy for me because all my life I've revolved around like cocaine plants, technology for the deaf, and so that was what I did for my presentation. Yeah. Then for the second part, I had to pretend. I was a salesperson and that was trying to sell them a product which, to be honest, was not my strongest suit. Yeah. And so I had to do a lot of research and I had some support from some people in the village. Yeah. And then in the final part, it was just a typical average interview, like getting to know me, what I wanted to go in, yeah. that kind of stuff, and more background. And then after that, I was then sent an email that... I was lucky, in, lucky enough to have the spot. Wow. Um, so there <laughs> is a couple of points there. I just thought, pretend to be a salesperson. I mean, that's most people's that worst nightmare in an interview. Just pretend that you're somebody else doing a job that you've never done before. Um, so you said you, you've actually grown up with tech um, in a way that a lot of people won't have experience of. So tell me about, um, she said, you've got a cochlear implant. What what has that experience been like for you? I mean, it's 
definitely been a challenging experience, especially with school kids. When I went to my local primary school and the local school here, the Down School, I was the only and so was the first deaf person to arrive. Wow. So it was a unknown, not just for me, but for the teachers and the people in the school. Mm. And so it was definitely difficult, but they had loads of support, especially in like the same department, and they were accommodating and understanding of my needs, but it was a long road. Because yeah. sometimes, even though like, I can hear, mm. it doesn't mean I can hear as perfectly normal as other people. And so sometimes it's not always there. Like, they might forget, occasionally forget to put on subtitles or videos, and I'll have to just politely remind them. And so mm. it's just getting there, really. Mm. But with Cisco, it's similar. When mm. I joined um, last year in July, mm. the WebEx application, because at the time we had to do it all virtually because of COVID, at the time it didn't have closed captions, so I was struggling quite a lot. Mm. But then a month or two into the programme, the closed captions were available, yeah. so that was a massive help. Yeah, other than that, it's just a matter of me having to raise the issues mm. and getting into contact with the right people. And how do you feel about that? Where you said, so you were the first deaf student at the secondary school and you're having to direct the support that you need. How, how, do you, how did you feel? I mean... It does feel like, sort of, uh, sometimes I do feel like I wish they knew beforehand, but the problem is, how could they know beforehand if they've never experienced it? Yeah. And so, in that sense, I'm sort of pleased in that, with myself, that I'm able to sort of pave the road in that sense, or yeah. who knows, more to come in the future. Yeah. And that way the school have had some exposure with me being the first one there. Yeah. And sometimes, I, who knows, there might be someone else that goes and they have all the support that they need without yeah. having to ask themselves. And that will make it much easier for them and less stressful for them. And mm. So, yeah. Okay. And you uh, had to go through, I mean, my goodness... So you had to do your A-levels during the pandemic. Yeah, that was a, a story in itself. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was due to do my A-levels last year in the August period and the algorithm was such a hassle in itself because I was just unfortunate and like so many others, the algorithm downgraded us mm -hmm. so badly. But thankfully, it was you turned I mean, got the teachers predicted, and so I got C's all around. Mm -hmm. Though I personally feel that I would have deserved the B's because I'm more of a hard worker down the end, and I had tutors near the end, yeah. so who would have been able to support me? But I don't really care if I didn't get B's because I got this uh, apprenticeship role, which. Yeah has been so helpful and 
in Cisco because by the time I got my grades, I've already been in the company for about two to three months. Yeah. And so the requirements at the time was just one C and one yeah. A level. Yeah. And since Cisco has a good relationship with the university where I'm doing my degree, yeah. they had lowered the requirement to an E. So even uh -huh. if I had stuck with my downgraded yeah. from the algorithm, I would have been fine because as far as Cisco knows, we're all perfectly suited and there was nothing wrong that grades don't determine our capabilities, so to speak. And that's really interesting to hear because there is, I, I, I imagine, you've got this fear around, right, so you sit at GCSEs and then it's like, right, hurry up, you've got to do A-levels now. And then, oh, by the way, you want to get these grades to go to uni or to, to take on an apprenticeship. Whereas you've been through a process where an organisation has <laughs> made you pretend to be a salesperson, um, but looked at your personality, looked at your capabilities, looked at your attitude and the results have been kind of secondary. I mean, definitely the results you get from your exams. Obviously, for me, it was very different because I never got to do my exams. Yeah. But the results you get from your exams can be, again, it depends, different differs from people because it depends on their work ethic, but mm. the grades can show companies like, oh, this person's been really good, they got A star, that means their work ethic is the best. But for me personally, I never liked having to consume information regurgitated, so to speak, because yeah. I didn't get any learning from it. Mm. But the one thing I enjoyed was doing like coursework. Yeah. Because um, in GCSE, I did BTEC Sport. Yeah. And that one was just where we had that task and we had to do sort of assignments and etc. Yeah. And that one, I felt like I had more support in and that I was enjoying it and I was learning. And that's similar with my degree currently in Cisco because yeah. we have to do these modules yeah. for, for my degree. And some of them could be as basic as like maths and algorithm or data communication or networking. Mm. And so we get given like a task where we get given a case study, answer these questions, and it's not as worrisome as that like having to like revise two years worth of information <laughs> yeah. for just a couple of exams. It's just yeah. that idea's always just been weird to me because it's just like why can't we like just do a sort of amount of topics doing yeah. exam another small amount of topic doing exam that way it'd be less stressful and it'd be much more you understanding and yeah. not having to just like memorize it and not get a better deeper understanding of the topic yeah that's really it's really interesting and 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 actually what is important to point out so the apprenticeship is um, there's a partnership with the university there, so you will come through your apprenticeship with a degree in yeah. what at the end? What will it be? So it's overall, it's mm. a level six BSc digital and technology degree. Yeah. But the way the learning works is that my first year, 
We do level four. Yeah. Second year is level five material. Right. Final year is level six material. But yeah. overall, the yeah. whole degree is a level six. Okay. And um, what was it that um, made you choose an apprenticeship route versus going to university? Did you have? Did you sort of consider that? So I mean, for me. When I was sort of in year 7 to year 9 in secondary school, back then, I thought that university was the only way, because back then we hadn't had a lot of information. Mm. And in year 9, year 10, we had a further thing representative that came to the school, mm. who basically did a talk about their apprenticeship scheme. Mm. And for me, I was very focused on what I've done to go into the technical side of the job role mm. and I thought that hey this would be good for me because IT I felt was more hands-on it's better to have work experience in that sense and so that was why I thought that the apprenticeship was the better way for me yeah plus university your typical thinking of that is that you do auditorium, lectures and all that kind of stuff and for me that just didn't feel suited for me because of my disability. The auditorium would be echoing, there would be lots of people there and it would be quite hard to concentrate but obviously now that's mostly virtually. Yeah. So, but that's the funny thing, in the future you just don't know what will happen. Yeah. But it's I mean, it just feels the right way for me personally. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. And both your parents went to uni. Well, Is that yes, right? both my parents went to uni, but they, they didn't really mind where I want to go, either uni or apprenticeship. Yeah. I mean, all they really care is that I get the support that I need and yeah. that I, as cheesy as it sounds, do the best. Yeah. <laughs> but that's but that's great, isn't it, to know that there wasn't that pressure that you must follow in their footsteps. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... They just, they've been helpful and just making sure that I'm as comfortable as I can be in no matter yeah. what I choose. And uh, I love your perspective on this. So when um, the world went remote working and lots of people went, oh my God, yay, this is the best ever. It's really inclusive. Um, what is, you talked a little bit about when closed captions weren't available. How have you found working remotely and how have you influenced how things like meetings get conducted online? I mean, remote work, I've, since I joined in July last year, I've been, the majority of my time has been working remotely. I've been mm. to the Reading office three, three times in the last, what, two months or something like that. So, mm. yeah, um, it's definitely been a, a challenge in itself because, because it's, a lot different to being face to face. Like yeah. with face to face, I can do lip reading that kind of stuff. But virtually, 
there's like lots of issues, like there could be technical issues, my clarity, that kind of stuff, but sometimes the, the thing with the closed captions on the WebEx is that they can only be enabled by the host of the set meeting. Yeah. And so it's just having to be able to sort of just make sure that everyone that is doing the meetings in its sector are understanding and that they are aware that like I would need a closed caption. Sometimes they mm. either forget and sometimes they're in a already started a meeting having a conversation and I don't feel comfortable interrupting sometimes I have to have messages on the side but yeah. they've all been very understanding and patient with me but over time it's just hopefully going to become a norm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I mean, when you and I very first spoke, um, and it, it did make me think about how people conduct meetings, and when you say, like, for you, if we were having a meeting and I didn't know that you were deaf, then I wouldn't automatically think about making and this. That's the problem, because even though I can sort of hear and speak yeah as clearly yeah it's not always been like this because obviously my cock came plants i only hear about 60 percent of speech right so okay. there's still that 40 percent that i miss out which yeah. is where the closed caption or subtitle and lip reading definitely help yeah and obviously my speech because when I was born, I was born profoundly deaf, so that meant I was not able to hear anything. Mm. And I didn't have my first cotton plant until I was two. Wow. And so there was that two-year gap where yeah. I wasn't able to hear. Right. And um, research was that the two years of a child's development are very crucial. Cause that's where they learn to walk, hear, talk, or other yeah. crucial stuff. And so because of me, that impacted my English and my understanding. Yeah. And um, due to that research, um, babies that need cochlear implants can have it as young as nine months. Wow. And have two at the, at the same time. But for me, back when I got it, I was only allowed to have one. And so that's why right. I had to do these things called smooth speech therapy yeah and that was just what been helping me to be able to speak as clearly wow did um because i know your parents like tech um i feel like i should say you know do you know, <laughs> do know your mum and dad because you know we live quite nearby um did they manage to capture when you first had your implants and when you were hearing for the first time you got I that mean, on a family I... video somewhere <laughs> I don't, I, they could be, I'm not, but I do know it was something that was uh, a special time for my mum especially, she did say it was a, an emotional day for her. Yeah. Oh, I that's... mean, it, it would be for anyone as well. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and what feedback did you get? So you said when you did your interview process with Cisco, you actually talked about your cochlear implants as a, as, as a presentation on a piece of technology. What was the feedback that you got from that? I mean, they definitely said it was a interesting insight and in that it would be useful to sort of bring those ideas in to try and help make Cisco a much more diverse. Cause 
that's the thing that Cisco are proud of is that their diversity. Mm. They have lots of people in and they don't care who's who. Yeah. And um, are you able to influence any of the development of products based on your experiences? So in terms of like the accessibility, um, mm. I've been fortunate enough to be able to get into contact with some quite senior people in Cisco. Yeah. And I just, they've listened to my issues and they raised it and they put me into contact with some of people in development of WebEx or closed captioning and that kind of stuff. And I put forward my suggestion. And so they got back to me saying that there's some that were already in development and there was some that they were taken into consideration. Yeah. And so who knows, it might become a thing in the future. Yeah. God, that's fantastic. It's fantastic. You're just in there influencing future product development, you know. Um, and what was the question that I was going to ask you? Um, so this was the question I was going to ask you throughout the apprenticeship programme. So you get paid and you're also going to do your studies. And you, whilst it's not been uh, in person yet, You've been able to work with departments globally within the business. Yeah. Would that normally happen in a rotation if it wasn't virtual? I mean, the fact that it was virtual, it sort of gave me more opportunities because originally um, the opportunities of a rotation would have been quite limited because it would have been what would have been available in the offices that we would have been able to go to like so yeah. the Reading, uh, Feltham and Manchester offices it would have been limited to those but because mm. it's all virtual I've been able to work with a team in California which was an interesting experience um, and what made it interesting? I can't not ask now. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a, a team called DevNet, and mm -hmm. it was a team that do programming, so front-end and back-end, and so I had a bit of a ex experience with sort of Python, which is something I quite enjoy with. Yeah. And so that was a good experience in learning and understanding how they work and how they use their skills to help Cisco. Yeah, cool. And what happens at the end of the apprenticeship? So it basically depends on Cisco and my, how I've done in the three years that I've been apprentice, apprentice and yeah. they'll basically decide whether they want me to carry on and they'll give me the offer and I'll yeah. be able to decide if I want to continue or not. Yeah. And so I would very much like to enjoy staying with Cisco because they have been a massive and useful company to be with, especially with being able to help with the accessibility side of things. Yeah. So, so you come out of it with a degree, quite probably an offer, uh, <laughs> no debt. I'm saying you come up with some money in the bank. <laughs> I mean, this is sort of just, you know, makes perfect sense to me. Um, and my, my question was actually, what what is next for you? So maybe thinking beyond... Um, the immediate immediate future has working at Cisco given you a sense of where you could see your future career progressing. So, I mean, in the future, I would hope I'll be a software engineer within Cisco, or mm. 
focused on something in accessibility because for me my life goal in that sense is to be able to help develop or help develop with the technology to better improve accessibility for people because for me I've grown up in death and I know these struggles of it especially in like the school or in the working environment so it's definitely something I want to better improve. Yeah that's I did see something the other day where a small company is, is looked at embedding sign language into websites oh. so it pops up a video pops up I have to send you the link but Again, it's something that for me, because I was born hearing, it just never crossed my mind. I mean, it's definitely something that I will say the COVID has definitely mm. brought to light because with COVID, mask was also something that was introduced and that was yeah. something that was definitely a challenge in itself <laughs> and mm. a, a and I'm not the only one in there's lots of other people that are deaf or hard of hearing. They also struggle with that and so definitely brought it in the front of mind for everyone, especially with like closed captions and sign language and all that for when you're doing the virtual conferences. Mm. And as a final question, I suppose, um, what would your suggestions be? or let's say someone wanted to kind of do what you've done um what would you recommend if they were I don't know maybe year seven to nine because you talked about getting us you weren't quite clear on what your options might be at that age what sort of advice would you give to people I mean it depends on what they want to do mm. if they still haven't decided the best thing would be to talk to teachers, get their understanding and mm. if there's a particular area like let's say biology or tech or IT, talk mm. to those particular teachers and say like, hey I enjoy this subject, what kind of roles might be involved mm. and they might give the suggestions and the key thing is research mm. and then the next thing would be to decide whether apprenticeship or university would be your area mm. and that's where open evenings would be very useful. Um, like I went to one at Harwell where I was trying to look into apprenticeships mm. and basically look at websites of like either local companies or look at the gov.uk website. Um, mm. But yeah, the key thing is just to research and research and research. <laughs> And not wait for, I guess, not wait for the careers person to, to come round or yeah. wait for people to show up. Yeah. Um, and actually, there was a, a, another thing I was keen to get a, your perspective on, is if there are other people who are deaf and don't have your confidence to say, <laughs> excuse me, could you just put the closed captions on? Oh, my God. Um, what... what um, advice would you give to them? I mean, I mean when I started in July it was definitely, I was very much an introvert and was not confident mm. and I was like sending messages along the side, not verbally speaking. Um, I mean the key thing is to 
no matter where you are, if it's the university or a job or apprenticeship, is to speak to a senior person, like a manager or teacher or whoever, and just to highlight your issues and say, like, Sir, Madam, here's my issues. I need mm. closed caption because they better help me and I can better access the meeting. Mm. And they either forget in the meeting or they don't, then the best next best thing is to just turn on your mic and just verbally say, sorry to interrupt, but could you please turn on the case caption so I can follow what you're saying and so I don't miss out on any information. Mm. And so that's the next best thing. Or you can contact your senior person and say like, hey, I need a note taker for these meetings. Because mm. for me, I've been lucky that I've got a note taker to be able to attend my meetings and take notes in case I've missed any information. Because for me, I can't take notes at the same time because diverts my concentration. Yeah. And so that could be the next best thing. Or you can ask your teachers or managers to record the meetings and so you have a recording later and you can either use those to better understand what you've missed. Mm. That's fantastic. Um just really enjoyed speaking to you James and you. yeah I'm I'm so glad that um I was able to get some time to talk to you about your experiences. Thank you. Thank you for listening to University Challenge with me, Tony Kent, and my very special guest, James Sims. Definitely a thought-provoking and inspiring conversation, hearing about his experiences. So if you enjoyed this, please do share it with people that you know, like, are connected with. I look forward to bringing you another University Challenged episode soon. Thank you.